0: Welcome to podcast number 147 this week of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. I'm Russell Dowd, and with the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And we are recording our 147th episode of the Texas Hemp Show podcast. So thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, We've got a good show. Going to give everybody an update on a a couple of news items and uh, talk with some of our Legal Eagle partners and friends of the show. No stranger to... The Texas Hemp Reporter, Rachel, uh, this week. Uh, and Hi, Rachel, by the way. Hi. <laughs> joining us, of course, my co-host, Rachel Nelson. Uh, but uh, the pair of attorneys joining us on the program this week, no stranger uh, to the show, Andrea Steele and David Sergi joining us here on podcast number 147 this week. And uh, we, we're going to have them on last week, but it fit everybody's schedule better this week. So welcome to the podcast, both of you. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure to join
0: you. Thank you, David, Andrea. Both good to see you guys. Well, David, can you hear us? David, you there? Well, I was hoping we get David in here. Oh,
1: he said he can't hear in the chat. Oh, so something, something happened.
0: Well, uh, Andrea, we're going to... Try to get David back in here. Maybe uh, you can message him, Carl, in the chat to see if he can check his audio. It's probably he just has his audio on mute on on his side. Um, but uh, welcome to the show, Andrea. As we get David figured out, um, uh, um, wanted to see if uh, you guys would could come on. Maybe kind of straighten out some of the uh, some of the the. The issues where there with the 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 court said no to the Delta Eight ban about a month ago. I guess it's been about a month since that ruling, and um, I wanted to maybe get you guys on to maybe inform us on where we're at on, on that issue and then some other uh, uh, things as, as we look toward the national scene for cannabis laws. But um, just really wanted to get you both on. And, and oh, by the way, you're both featured in the magazine on page 18 through 20 uh, as part of our Legal Eagles uh, article that we did in the current issue in October. So I don't know if you'd seen that, Andrea.
1: I saw it online. I haven't seen a print version yet, but yeah,
0: I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, I, sure I, I need to. I need to mail you one. I need to make sure I'm adding you to my mailing list, Andrea. You, you don't. You're, we're not mailing those to you. I need to make sure you're on my list so I get those to you every month. We um, Well, give us an update. What happened this past month, Andrea? We start with you. Uh, The Texas Department of Health Service has overruled overruled the ban, so our retailers may have heard about this. But can you explain to listeners what the current status is with all of this Delta 8 products?
1: Well, the current status is what it's been for the last couple of years. There's an (laughs) injunction that remains against the state for enforcing what they attempted to do, which was... um, Revised the state schedule of controlled substances to alter the definition of tetrahydrocannabinol and marijuana extract in a manner that essentially reverses the the federal definition of hemp and the Texas definition of hemp, which matches the federal definition. And so, you know, we we sued our hometown hero, sued along with several other plaintiffs um, uh, a few years ago and got an injunction put in place then and the state appealed and it kind of went back and forth kind of ping pong for a little bit and then it's kind of silent for a while while we waited for um, oral arguments in the appellate case. And that you know, we, we, we waited beyond the last legislative session, which as everybody knows, there was no, no changes made to the um, hemp bills uh, or to anything cannabis related in the last session. Um, and so with that, we went and had oral arguments and um, basically uh, the state was trying to say that, um, the plaintiffs didn't have standing that the actions by the executive commissioner dishes were not you know outside of his authority or outside of his scope of work and and that he was not required to follow certain rules which were the all the claims that we were making um on the plaintiff's side and the appellate court quickly ruled um in our favor and we actually thought that that ruling probably wasn't going to come down for another several months and it came down just weeks later
0: yeah um, yeah that was surprisingly sooner than we thought it was going to be. Uh, can you hear us, David? There you are, David. can you hear us? I can hear you now. okay, thank yeah, just need to get your mic unmuted there um th- that that ruling did come rather quick, didn't it? I mean, don't you think, David, it was uh, uh, much sooner than we all thought, as Andrea pointed out,
2: oh yeah. It was one of the fastest rulings that I've ever seen out of the court of appeals. And I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, Most people think
0: it's close to our record.
3: That's encouraging. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) it really
1: is.
0: That that, that is a good thing. Uh, What do we need to be aware of moving forward? There's no, Andrea, there was no appeal so far uh, as I was talking with David earlier, he pointed out there's been no appeal on this and It would go to the Texas Supreme Court, is what David was telling me earlier today, if it did. Is that right? That's correct. Well, is it good news?
2: It'll go back back to the trial court for a hearing on the merits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at that, we have to put on our case, prove our case, which I think we already have. And I think we are going to be able to do an even better job by bringing in more veterans and more of a cross-section of people that are affected by this ruling if it went the other way and so i think we can do an even better job than we did the first time and i think we andre and i did a really good job the first time
0: yeah i pulled an article this morning that just was pointing out some notes from several articles that i pulled off the internet regarding texas is in that in that recent decision but um to quote uh, the ruling, helped save an eight billion dollar industry and thousands of jobs, but it also gave adult consumers and veterans continued access to hemp-based cannabis products vital to their everyday lives. This was from um, hometown hero, likely Cynthia, who made that statement. But is it really eight billion dollars, Andrea, in Texas alone?
1: So, Bo Whitney, who's a, an economist in the the cannabis space, did conducted a study, and he you know, did surveys and 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 came up with the economics, um, how it impacts Texas specifically. And I, I don't have the, the, da- the data right in front of me, but I'm assuming that number came from his his economics report.
0: Yeah. so you,
1: know, you think about how big Texas is, we really are on par with the, you know, California and New York, uh, if not more than that. And so the industry here and the number of people working and even just the basic state sales tax Revenue that comes in from it, all of it, is a huge economic impact.
0: Yeah, and I was concerned. Uh, you know, how soon? This is a good question, to, I guess, for both of you. Uh, uh, off the top of my head here, but what w- when we talk about the time frame that we got on the quick, uh, the the quick process that it took to get the appeals court to make the decision? How? What's the time frame that we would look for an appeal, David? Is this something that would happen sooner or later, or maybe not at all?
2: Well, I mean, our point is I don't think uh, there's going to be an appeal. The time deadlines have run. So now it has to go back to the trial court. It has to be set by the trial court, and that's up to the trial court, up to the attorney general's office to get with us about a hearing date. And, you know, so far we've had crickets.
0: Well, that's, and, that's a good
2: thing. You know, so from our point of view, now, we're happy to live with it the way it is now. We're happy to have a trial. I think we can uh, do a wonderful job at trial of explaining to not only the judge but the citizens of the state why this is such an incredibly important industry and it helps not only veterans but it helps a broad cross section of people. And I think you know that's the image we have to paint because you know this isn't just a bunch of people getting high. This is people helping themselves. And you know what. And as you and I were talking earlier, if you're, you know, if you only have medical marijuana at that point, you know, you're talking about something that gets people really, really high. This, you know, Delta eight is much lighter. There's much less of a euphoric effect. And at the end of the day, I think it's a far superior product for most average Texans that need it for sleep, that need it for PTSD, take the edge off, uh, and it doesn't have the same effects as alcohol, so it's I think just a fantastic product.
0: Andrea, why do you think it's so hard for us to uh, get? I mean, so many other states. I think there's 40 states now, Andrea, that have the uh, you know some form of cannabis. Uh, Texas is kind of dragged, hasn't it, over the years? Um, are, are we? Do you think lawmakers will get, you know, will we get a little reprieval maybe next session? What are just kind of your feedback, I guess, really on, uh, on Texas versus the national scene?
1: Oh my Texas legislature, the Texas legislature and, and the legislative process politics here is it, just a, it, it, you know, every state has its own thing. It's, it's, it's interesting here. So there's a lot of stigma associated and with like vice um, issues or anything regarding, you know, sex, drugs, Um, cannabis gambling all of those types of um issues tend to get really um the legislature doesn't want to encourage or incentivize those type of behaviors Mm -hmm. um or activities and so they're they're pretty there's still a lot of stigma associated with it a lot of negativity and a lot of um the lawmakers don't like i said they don't want to they don't want to pass laws to to encourage that type of behavior um so, but with the laws that have already passed, it's already, it's already available. Um, but we, you know, not being able to meet every year, we have to wait until 2025 before we meet again. And a lot I think could happen at the federal level and uh, across the various states between now and then. And I think that could have an impact on what Texas decides to do. Um, there's a lot of talk about possibly rescheduling at the federal level from schedule one to schedule three potentially. Um, that could take place before uh, the next session in Texas. And if that happens, um, well, part of what we learn in our case is that, you know, if if the if the federal government changes the controlled substances schedule, Texas will automatically change it unless the state of Texas objects in the manner it's <laughs> supposed to object under the law. Um, again, that's the basis <laughs> of, our, of, the, of the lawsuit here. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think things will change. I think things will change here, but...
3: So, um, you know, kind of playing off of that, do you, how likely do you think it is that there will be changes in the farm bill that affect these products in Texas and the country?
2: Well, I, I think one of the problems that we have right now, obviously, with the gridlock in Washington, uh, my sources in D.C. tell me that they are so far behind, they're not sure where the farm bill is going to go or when it's even going to be considered, because right now they can't consider anything. And the longer it takes to elect a speaker, the more of a log jam there's going to be with lots of other competing priorities. And so, you know, I've got a concern where are we going to be and are they going to rush it through and what's the process? But I think one of the most important parts here is, and this is what happened in our case, uh, you know, they had a, the conservatives had a pogo moment. All of a sudden they realized that the enemy really was themselves because they had their own <laughs> people testifying. About how important it was to them. And I think on a national level, the same thing is starting to happen. That's what my sources in DC tell me. You know, some congressional liaison offices and folks that ordinarily really wouldn't be even talking to someone like us. And they're telling me that, you know, uh, their views are changing because of cases like ours, cases, you know, the Arkansas case and a case that I understand is about to be brought up in uh, Alaska, and there's another case in uh, Florida. And the people that are bringing it, and the testimony that they're getting in those cases, are not the testimony that lend themselves to this stigmatization. And so, to Andrea's point, I think that the more of these cases that are brought, the more people see that it's ordinary people, veterans, workaday folks, that are consuming these products that we're taking that stigma out. And I think that's something hometown hero has done a great job is taking the stigma out, not only hometown hero, but I think the industry as a whole. And, you know, we have a lot more work to go, but I think it's very telling that in this last session of the legislature, there was not a bill introduced. I mean, and that is so important when you think about the, opposition that we were thinking would occur.
3: Yeah. And that's just a testament to the education that's been happening, um, you know, everywhere. It seems like just every day people are learning more and more about how beneficial these products are to just like your average American, your average Texan. And it seems like it is becoming, you know, a lower and lower priority. So.
2: You know, what's interesting is Andrea and I are in the process of collaborating with other lawyers around the country to be involved in this litigation and consult in this kind of litigation and to form a collaborative effort to educate uh, not only lawyers and judges but law enforcement. And we're hearing less and less of the stigma argument. And the arguments are, you know, more economic now. And you know, you why do you want to kill a goose that lays three to five eight billion dollar egg? hmm
3: yeah, it's nice to see the argument starting to sway and, you know, people, I guess, you know, unbrainwashing themselves.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it seems like we've also got some concern, Andrea, with uh, not just uh, getting the time for the Farm Bill to get in through congressional leadership, but we also um, are still hoping and kind of keeping our fingers crossed for the Safe Banking Act. Uh, any, any, um, uh, you know, that's a big one, too, that would really help the industry as um, I think that people are – the congressional – from what I hear, they're very positive about this possibly passing.
1: I heard also that it, it was it was gaining momentum, but I, and I also recently heard that it's it not, and it's perhaps losing some um, steam. Hmm. But I think with everything that's taking place right now with the speaker issue and with the war going on in Israel and Gaza, yeah. I think that there is just – government is not thinking about this right now. It's just it's super low priority. Yeah. Um, but the fact that safer banking passed in the Senate, that was the biggest hurdle. It, was, it passed in the House a bunch of times, but it didn't pass in the Senate. Now it passed over here on the, in the committee and we've got to see you know what's going to happen with it now on the, on the, the bigger picture. But it would be helpful if that would pass. It would be really important to, to at least, you know, that it signifies that things are moving in a yeah. direction. And that's a huge impact. The banking industry is huge. I mean, that, that starts to normalize and uh, continue to, to get rid of the stigma across the industry.
2: And of course, when you think about it, our Delta 8 uh, and cannabinoid uh, clients really don't have to worry about that right now. It's really more the legalization issue, which is kind of a separate issue. But again, people can consume the products our clients make And not have to worry about the banking issues. Our clients don't really have to worry about that right now. And so, you know, I think that's also taken a lot of the stigma out that you can walk into almost any smoke or vape shop, use your credit card, and it's a normal transaction.
0: Stay right there, David and Andrea. We're going to take our first commercial break here of the Texas Hymn Show, and then we'll come back with another 10 minutes with both of you, and and, and we'll let you guys out of here. But uh, I do want to ask about just a little bit on Schedule 1 and, and where we're at, with that because that's a big issue, and I don't know if we got gotten any movement with that just yet either. Also, we'll talk about some of uh, the law uh, rulemaking powers that uh, dishes and the uh, commissioner's office there at Agriculture have, and if there's ever anything there. I'm kind of curious to what the – uh, our attorney guests this week think of rulemaking powers as well. The Texas Hip Show, podcast 147. We'll be right back after this on the other side, Texas Hip Show.
4: brand Sweet Scentsy, known as the original Texas Rosin Company, presents another year of bringing the hemp industry and the people of Texas together to celebrate all things cannabis at their Texas Hemp Harvest Festival. The Sweet Scentsy brand, known as the best true full-spectrum organic gourmet candy manufacturer in Texas, has been selling out the Texas Hemp Harvest Festival for the last two years. This year's festival holds two days of elevated cannabis experiences on November 3rd and 4th Downtown East 4th Street at Distribution Hall. Showcasing hemp and art vendors from all around the state. And features on stage top reggae artists like 10-Foot Ganja Plant, Sister Nancy, Josh Heinrichs with Skillinja, Pacifier, and Austin's own Mau Mau Chaplains. Sponsorships available to companies interested in showcasing their brand to the large audience. Buy your tickets and inquire about sponsorship and vendor spots at TexasHempHarvestFestival.com.
0: Welcome back to the oh, Texas Hemp Show, know. podcast number 147 oh, oh, this week on the show. Uh, we will continue our conversation with our legal eagle attorneys here with uh, Andrea Steele joining us as well as uh, David Sergi. David, traveling on his way to Dallas, we appreciate you jumping out, uh, giving us a little bit of time out of your day. But great to have you both on. And again, thank you to David for uh, sponsoring the uh uh, magazine. Last month he actually ran uh, uh, some advertising with this on page 20 there, so I want to thank you for your uh, support in that that form as well, David. I uh, uh, appreciate it. Um, I want to ask uh, either of you, we've talked about other drugs that are scheduled, one, uh, controlled substances, you know, the marijuana is in there with heroin, cocaine, LSD, PCP. Um, that is something that we're trying to get good done in a national level as well, and I don't know if, I haven't heard any movement with that, but But that was a a topic earlier in the year, wasn't it, Andrea?
1: Absolutely. And apparently there's, you know, allegedly a a recommendation letter from the Health and Human Services Department to um, recommend to the DEA uh, to reschedule uh, marijuana from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. Um, Mm -hmm.
5: But
1: nobody's seen the letter. And so we don't know exactly what it says. We don't know what it's based on. And all of the times in the past when um, there has been a request to reconsider the, the level of scheduling that marijuana is on in the, in the federal CSA, the Federal Controlled Substance Act. It's always been denied for a variety of reasons, but mainly like there's no accepted medical use um, and there's international treaty issues. But this request came from President Biden. So it was not from, you know, an attorney or a case or, or a civilian. It was from straight from the president asking them to expeditiously look at you know rescheduling Um, and apparently that letter came out uh what about a month or so ago now and we haven't heard much since other than you know the DEA's now got to make a a, a call they have to review the HHS information and come up with their response Um, and again in the past they've always denied it and I'm really curious to see what they're going to say this time if they're going to agree with the movement in, re- in scheduling or, de- or rescheduling down to, to three, and mm-hmm. how they're going to justify it, considering what they've always how they've always denied it and justified that denial in the past. Um, and that can happen within the next couple months. We really don't know, but I think the fact that the president requested it, it's it's become more of a political thing than. Mm-hmm. Um, has in
0: the past. Yeah, it's becoming a political football there. Go ahead, David.
2: Let me add something to you, because I just had a conversation with some folks at the Tribune, and I was involved in a conversation with people as diverse as John Boehner and Rick Perry talking about things like psychedelics. Rick Perry has been pushing psychedelics. He's been working in other states to uh, test them and to work with them. So you know, I think the political stigma is really beginning to shift because when you have people like Rick Perry talking about psychedelics and how they can help, <laughs> that's a conversation you wouldn't have had ten years ago, five years ago, three years ago.
3: Yeah, that's definitely it's true.
1: Nice. It well, seems like psychedelics are are almost like on a faster track. And yeah, more widely accepted than cannabis ever has. Um, and you know, I I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I don't like that they they're not. I don't like that that they've gone in different directions, right? Where, where psychedelics have gone so quickly and become so much more accepted so quickly. But um, I, I, the fact that I, plant medicine just isn't being explored the way that it should have been, and and, and the way that this, the scheduling rules work, plant medicine is very difficult to get unscheduled once it's scheduled because of the requirement for the chemistry to be, you know, reliably uh, replicated. Um, but it's just really interesting and and I wish I wish cannabis would be more widely accepted the way it seems like psychedelics are becoming so quickly
0: and, and Andre, yeah. if we could just fast track the psychedelics into Dan Patrick. <laughs> 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 then maybe well, then maybe we can fast track cannabis in the Lone Star State. Anyway, true. just poking a fun at our well, lieutenant governor yeah. there. But
3: and I feel like you know it's the work that's been <laughs> done in the cannabis space that opened up the door for psychedelics to move so fast now. So I feel like it's still a win, you know, even though it seems kind of unfair and discriminatory. Um, but I was wondering if you guys could speak to you know when will Texas take control of um, take control away from DPS for legal cannabis. Cause it just seems kind of absurd um, that the state's premier law enforcement agency is overseeing cannabis. So could you guys kind of just give yeah, when, us your thoughts
1: on that?
0: Yeah, When would that change come Andrea or David, when do you think that would ever happen? You know, you know I,
1: I think DPS initially designating authority over a medical program to a law enforcement agency seems really, um, out online and inappropriate mm-hmm. but if you look at how dishes has handled the hemp program versus how dps is handling the compassionate use program <laughs> um i i yeah. mean, maybe yeah. they're not the agency to deal with it because they're very is taking a they're very cautious but not i mean it's moving very slow but they're really trying to take a measured approach um and back it with data and science and and go about things in a way that makes sense um, and not move too fast and not rush through the process, which, you know, is not necessarily the worst thing. Um, I wish it would go faster, but I like the fact that they're taking their time. They've hired a consultant to help them deal with it Where on the hand side and the dishes side, like it is not going as smoothly and as organized
0: yeah david we've had more pushback from dishes than dps and most other states david like uh we've seen in new mexico and uh oklahoma they create a state-run mj or cannabis marijuana regulatory commission and uh maybe that'll happen but so far uh we haven't seen that in texas
2: i know we haven't and then you have to look at alaska where the regulatory agency has totally gone down on one side of the equation favoring things like marijuana in cutting out a lot of hemp-derived products. And so we have to be very careful what we ask for. And I'll also say this, that when you look at the change in leadership at dishes, um, I haven't seen anything yet that shows that our new commissioner uh, is taking the same strident attitude as Hellerstadt did. And so I'm cautiously optimistic that perhaps with the change that we may actually see some more positive improvement when it comes to cannabis, cannabinoid products, as well as marijuana down the road.
3: Nice, well, can we kind of switch gears into Arkansas? Could you guys tell us about the litigation taking place there and how um, the case could have significant implications for how THCA and other elements of hemp are regulated and interpreted?
1: Yeah, so I, I've actually been working on that case with the litigators and been consulting on that case um, as well. And that one has been, that's a really, really good ruling. So what Arkansas did in that case was essentially um, change the definition of hemp after they had already had a USDA approved hemp plan. They went back and changed the definition of hemp in a way that basically measured, it, it measured the, 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 instead of being 0.3% of the Delta 9 THC, it's 0.3% of the CBD of the THC. It was scientifically impossible. It didn't make wow. any sense. Um, uh, you know, the THC and C B D are their own separate molecules. So there is no C B D in THC. Right. Um, so it was just kind of ridiculous. And uh and and that was, and then they also altered their Controlled Substances Act to then add on um THC isomers, trying to pull in delta eight and delta ten, but also use very vague language, you know, things like what is psychoactive. Um, synthetic and they also um were trying to work around the interstate commerce protections in the farm bill by by mandating continuous transportation of hemp through the state. Um and and so that you know, we had some some uh preemption from federal preemption on the, the interstate commerce stuff, um conflict preemption with the change of the definition and um um the the uh, the last argument I just mentioned. Anyways, I didn't slip my mind just now. But the ruling came down, and what the judge essentially said: and we got a preliminary injunction in Arkansas against the uh, against the state from enforcing this new law. And the law was bizarre. It had like this really weird scheme where if the law was enjoined, it was going to trigger another regulatory process. It was it was an awful law. It didn't make a lot of sense. It was very difficult to understand, which is part of the reason why we got that preliminary injunction. But the judge said you can't buy into the federal program and then turn around and change the definition. It's a federal definition. And if you look at the way the farm bill is drafted, the definition of hemp is not a part of the section that's where the hemp production plan is. It is a definition of hemp. And so Congress defined what hemp is, and they removed it from being a controlled substance under the Federal Controlled Substance Act. So the hemp and THCs in hemp are not considered marijuana. And then if a state wants to have control over hemp, it can submit a plan to the USDA and get that plan approved. But the definition of hemp is the definition of hemp. And, and so that ruling really brings into question any time a state alters the definition of hemp to be different than the federal definition and they've already got a USDA approved plan um, that, and it's, a lot of these states are doing that. They're altering the definition of hemp or they're altering other definitions that have the impact of changing the definition of hemp. Um, so I, I think that case is pretty big with yeah. regard to that aspect yeah.
3: of it. Mm-hmm. Very well, I'm going
2: to add that there's a case in Florida that hopefully Andrea and I will be involved in, uh, which deals with THCA and some of the very similar issues. And that's in the administrative process right now. And I think that, um, and I'm hoping that Florida to go, the federal court in Florida moves the same way, because what Andrew said makes perfect sense. These laws are drafted by Kafka. They are not drafted by normal human beings that have reasonable, uh, you know, where you can actually reasonably figure out what they're supposed to mean. And so, you know, I'm really happy with the result that was obtained in Arkansas. And I think that it, and Andre, you and I were talking earlier that we're, you know, The Arkansas case has been cited in Virginia in a decision that you sent me. uh, Again, that has great effect, and let's see where this goes.
0: I want to ask. Go ahead, Andrea. Go ahead. Let you make your point.
2: Well, a
1: couple things came up in the discussion just now and earlier when we're talking. So Maryland just had a ruling that was really interesting, and their theory. So all of these lawsuits that are going up that have been victorious so far, um, Kentucky uh, also where. You know, people are fighting back against the state prohibitions and winning. Um, but the, the Maryland case, most of those states, most of those lawsuits are happening in states where cannabis is either there's no adult use or there's a medical program that's limited or it's not, you know, it's very new. But Maryland has had medical marijuana for a long time, and they also recently um, uh, legalized adult use. But as part of their laws to uh, regulate the adult use program, they essentially hampered the hemp industry by forcing all of the hemp um sellers <coughs> to go into this licensing scheme so not just not only do they have to comply with the testing and the labeling and the mark uh, and the packaging but they also have to have a license in order to sell or can you know the only people that can sell these products are people that have the the adult use license and because the way that Maryland's rolling out the, pro- the program is the first set of licenses is only gonna be given to social equity applicants in the way that Maryland defines that is certain zip codes or if you attended a school in a certain zip code or you had a Pell Grant or uh, went to a college where a certain number of people had a Pell Grant. It, it's not quite on point with you know, going back and addressing the injuries of people who were harmed by the war on drugs. It's kind of associated, but not quite on point. But anyhow, um, there's license caps there and there's a limited number of licensing, and so what happened was all of these hemp industry retailers overnight, immediately were not allowed to to go forward on a business that is federally legal that they've been working under um, when this new law went into place. And so in Maryland, the the the, the they sued under the notion of anti monopoly, basically saying that the state by authorizing this adult use program and making it such a limited program that only certain people can benefit from and, and excluding um, other businesses that are federally legal is a violation of free trade, essentially, Mm -hmm. because states are, you know, the state is basically creating a scheme that's favoring a federally illegal product over a legal product. And people have, you know, constitutional right to pursue liberty, property, um, and, and that counts. Um, it made me think about the smokable hemp lawsuit in Texas, because I wonder if there's maybe a different theory that that, that could, could go on under. But I think they were kind of similarly related, but Texas came down a different way. Regardless, the Maryland lawsuit has a very, very interesting um, theory behind it with this anti-monopoly aspect.
0: Yeah, and- we... We need to keep our eye on that. I got two more points before I let you both go. I want to get out. Um, David, can you speak on the ongoing challenges with law enforcement? I know we've had these raids. I had, um, uh, you know, we've talked about the case there with Rio, CBD, and Harlogen, happy hippies up in Little Elm. Are we seeing any, is anything getting better on that front, David, with the raids?
2: I'm doing up here in Dallas, frankly, is number one, meeting with clients, but number two, also meeting with law enforcement to discuss the injunction and discuss how this should be implemented from law enforcement standpoint. So I'm gratified that some of the larger town police departments are agreeing to meet with us in order to be able to have a positive dialogue. And some of the smaller jurisdictions just haven't got it yet. And unfortunately, yeah. there's going to have to be litigation. I mean, we're involved in the federal co- uh, lawsuit in Victoria over something that happened down there. We're involved in another lawsuit um, in another jurisdiction in Texas that, you know, again, somebody was arrested and one kid spent six months in jail on a blue warrant because of the arrest, ultimately released because he'd committed no crime. So... Uh, We're educating and reusing the resources of some of these wrongfully accused individuals to put a human face on this.
0: Well, what I wanted to turn um, and and I guess transition that really into is the uh, I wanted to ask you either of you could comment on this. But but, um, I wanted to ask if there was any traction on putting together something at the bar level. Uh, that was going to update our, our district attorneys on these cannabinoids. And we've spoken on that before on this show with, with both of you.
2: Well, let me uh, address that. One of the things that uh, I used to be a director for the state of the Bar, and so I've had conversations and we have a petition that is circulating to um, restart a cannabis law section. Now, they can't lobby. They can't advocate for a position one way or the other. But what we can do is we can train best practices, share ideas, network, and do what Andrea and I and Rod Kite and several other lawyers have done, which is, you know, collaborate so that we can provide the best service, best advice to our clients, and also educate. Hopefully we'll be able to do some continuing legal education classes we can also invite law enforcement to, and we can make a real positive group
0: well, listen, guys, that's all the time I've got. I appreciate you both, especially you, David, tra- while you're traveling on a way up there to see a client. Andrea, still joining us. Uh, thank you for both of you both for being a part of the uh, program and giving us uh, some of your day. Uh, but I hope that we can turn back to you guys maybe on a future show and always get an update from both of you or either of you. And uh, and, and and just so I throw it out there, you're both welcome to join the conversation anytime on uh, the print version of this show at the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. We're happy to have you guys, either of you contribute at any time uh, as well. We'll stay right there, everybody. We'll be right back with Taylor from 4K Farm as we continue the Texas Hemp Show podcast number 147 of these after- after this guys, thanks for tuning in.
5: When whistling down the sky, I've got a song I've got a song like the will and the beavers cry. I've got a song, I've got a song and I can You work hard every day to grow the best crops. We work hard to help you boost your yields
2: and cut your costs. Since 1938, we have been pioneers in agricultural testing, helping growers like you. As experts in soil health and plant nutrition, we provide custom fertility recommendations and innovative solutions to your most challenging problems. Plus, our clients always enjoy the benefit of one-on-one consulting. Don't wait any longer. Calls today. Stop guessing. And start testing.
4: The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by your friends at CBD Pros USA, your cannabis experts. Right now, you can save 50% off any one product if you mention the Texas Hemp Show. That's right, 50% off anything on the online store menu. Nano tincture, watermelon gummies, our Brio drip moisturizing cream, any single item, 50% off. That's CBD Pros. CBD is present in more significant quantities in hemp and marijuana. And because it's non-psychoactive, CBD is widely regarded as the cannabinoid with the most health potential by researchers. If you'd like to learn more about CBD and our products at CBD Pros, you can read our education page and browse some of our products to learn more. Visit CBDProsUSA.com. That's CBDProsUSA.com.
6: Smilin Wellness is a proud sponsor of the Texas Hemp Show and has earned a reputation for creating future-minded CBD and Delta innovations. From broad-spectrum CBD to a wide variety of recreational products, Smilin offers the best experience while matching the needs of consumers across the board. Are you a fan of edibles? The Smilin connection of in-demand hemp-derived goodies are bursting with flavor. Fun to consume, drive long-lasting results, and provide just the right amount of cannabinoid dopamine. Check out the variety of potent Delta 9 gushers, Delta 8 chocolate malt balls, space rings, and nerd-like candy clusters. Smilin' has also unveiled a new line of functional and euphoric mushrooms that provide powerful and pure solutions to nurture the body and elevate the mind. Stay tuned for the biggest launch of the year, Mushroom Life. Go to Smilin'Wellness.com, S-M-I-L-Y-N-Wellness.com
4: the texas hemp reporter magazine would you like to host the texas hemp show podcast at your business or special event now booking live broadcasts from your location with our new demo vehicle the texas Green machine email russell at texas hemp reporter at gmail.com now back to the show with your host russell dowden
0: All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show, podcast number 147 of the Texas Hemp Show. We've been doing this three years now, just celebrated over three years of doing the show. Russell here with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. Our October issue is out on across the state at smoke shops and CBD stores, uh, retailers around the state. And uh, so look forward to uh, working on right now, we're going to be working on our December issue for Christmas. So that's kind of where we're at right now, but uh, enjoy the uh, October one that's out right now. And then, uh, I guess in a week or two, a couple of weeks, we'll be over at the Sweet Scentsy Hemp Harvest Festival. We've got a booth down there, Rachel, so that'll be kind of. I
3: can't believe how fast that's coming up. I
0: know, it's really coming (laughs) up quickly. Where
3: did the year go? It's harvest season. It feels like we just did this.
0: <laughs> well, I've got a couple of headlines. I just wanted to reach out and uh, just uh, spread the word on Cannabis News this week. Uh, brought to you by Ludacris Wholesale and Vape. Uh, uh, just some headlines. FBI police make over a quarter million in marijuana arrests in 2022. That stat just came out. Wow. Over uh, 250,000 arrests in 2022. Ohio News. There was a latest poll. finds strong support among voters for Mar- Marijuana legislation is a ballot measure in Ohio. Um, Anchorage, Alaska Assembly voted to reform marijuana testing policies for most municipal workers. Um, House Speaker Chaos, the priorities complicate cannabis banking bill. We talked about this with Andrea a few moments ago. The odds remain good that the U.S. Senate will still pass the Safer Banking Act, uh, which could provide protections for federal prosecutions for financial institutions offering services to state legal marijuana businesses. Um, and then in science and health news, marijuana consumers who caught COVID had better outcomes and mortality rates than non-users, oh, nice. a recent study found. So wow. that was last week's news from Marijuana Moment, uh, brought to you by Ludicrous Vape and Smoke. So just wanted to uh, read out our, some of our headline news there. That's something I might continue to do as we get a sponsors for that kind of kind of thing. But joining, moving on to our next guest, Taylor Kirk is a Cannabis Horticulture Surface Specialist uh, for fluence, uh, LED. Uh, he's uh, growing his. Uh, 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 he's been. He's got his bachelor's there at Texas A&M. Uh, Taylor was actually on the show about a year ago when we were up there in uh the roundup about a year and a half back there so uh you remember the year we did it the first time mm-hmm. that was 2022 taylor yeah. taylor is back to give us an update on what's going on with him out in the getting uh was it was yes. yeah. a Giddings series
3: yeah he's
0: to bring taylor in here carl let's bring our friend 4k farm ceo taylor Giddings, uh taylor taylor kirk taylor from Giddings. Giddings, uh all joining us here on the texas hip
5: show how are you doing taylor I'm good. How how do I sound? I'm trying this headset. Uh,
0: that's okay. You sound fine there. I think it's a, okay. Uh, good. Uh, wanted to ask, uh, uh, how are you doing in the growing process? You started a little later than some other guys, don't you?
5: Yeah, I kind of. You know, the way I run my farm is quite a bit different. So I have indoor and uh, light depth greenhouse, so I have the ability to start plants off inside and avoid the summer heat. And then I uh, plant strategically, timing kind of my harvest is kind of the way I, I plan. My planting is the harvest when it's cooler outside, which tends to allow for better quality flower. In the end, I can get good color, um, colors popping out in the flowers when the cool nights set in. And you know really take advantage of the, the really good October, November weather that we have here and pull a an early December harvest. I'm actually looking at um, running through the winter Probably for the first time this year, I've, I've always managed to harvest a year, spring and fall, but um, we just we have mild enough winter with a little bit of heat and the lighting that I now have in the greenhouse, I'm, I'm thinking I might go for that as well.
0: Well, what did you think of the last previous guest? Uh, We went, sorry, we went a little longer uh, with those attorneys, but um, good information. Any thoughts on your end as a grower of just that conversation about uh, all the movement and and, um, traction there uh, from the legal side? I thought I'd get your thoughts on that last segment. You were able to watch that.
5: Yeah, for sure. No, I I listened in and uh, I've been following along. You know, we, I, as a grower, right, I don't really focus on Delta 8. Delta-8 is found in the plant, of course, um, mostly in low concentrations. I think there's some breeding work going on to see about increasing the levels. But for the most part, it's going to be, uh, let's see, converted, let's say, is the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I think this is a, a big win for a lot of the retailers in the state that are uh, sell, have been selling those products and now continue to sell that uh, Delta eight product, uh, you know, line, but, you know, for me, it's, it's really nothing different, um, than what I'm doing. I'm focusing on quality flour and what I can naturally grow or produce here legally. So, um, Mm -hmm. that's where I'm focused. Terpenes are really big, you know, to offer for for my customers is a good flavor, uh, Mm -hmm. different uh, effects from the plant naturally. Right. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here, uh, you know, seeing all this THCA on the market as well—that's that's kind of overtaken delta eight from what I can tell, and rightfully so. Not saying that delta eight is not uh, doesn't have its own place. Uh, it is less psychoactive. Um, and yeah, so
0: some of us want like the less psychoactive, uh, unlike Rachel, sure. <laughs> unlike my, my co-host. Uh, some of us actually <laughs> like the delta eight products or the even the CBD. I, I have lots of CBD flower. In my home, uh, and then I do carry the Delta 8s. Pre rolls are in my mm-hmm. house. This is all stuff. Looks like next to my bar, Taylor. You right? know, in the yeah. in the in the in the hallway. But uh, I don't smoke that crazy uh, THCA or any of that wacky tobacky. i like cbd
3: for you know lotions and stuff like that that's more what i use (laughs) cbd for i think it definitely has its place but i just think if i'm gonna go through the whole you know exposing my lungs to smoke there should be a reason like cbd (laughs) it just doesn't
0: i like the c (laughs) i like the cbd because it doesn't give me the psychoactive that i used to you know um abused for 20 years when i was younger taylor and,
3: and i feel like a lot of people grow out of that like yeah. as they get older they're like you know what i just it doesn't do it for me anymore so and there's nothing wrong with that
0: well taylor you're just like like yourself i'm on the board with the Hemp coalition are you going to be at the hip summit i think you spoke last year are you going to be up there in november
5: Yep. Yeah, yeah i'll be back and uh, look to be involved on one of the panels um Definitely uh, excited about the second year and and the networking that we had. Uh, The turnout the first year was great, so definitely excited about that.
0: I see you from time to time on the board meetings. Uh, I don't get to say, or mostly she's doing all the talking in those usually, but uh, I see you in there from time to time. We're going to be there filming this year. Um, Carl and I, we're going to be recording the event for Alyssa and, and the Coalition. Uh, so we're excited to to capture the entire event there from from our cameras there um, what uh, what do you think on about the state of hemp the hemp market in Texas as you've you know done this since 2020 Taylor what have you learned now in going on 4 years this is we're 3 years into this now and um 3 plus years i guess so you uh, know, can you speak to the things you've seen change and and what you've learned as a grower? You've been a a, a pretty steady name, your brand at 4K in this space so far.
5: Well, thanks, and and uh, you know that uh, that's what I'm trying to do is is build a little bit of a reputation as somebody that's going to be around, somebody you can trust on for quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I offer, you know, I'm I'm a consultant as well. I offer genetics. We just launched. Uh, you know farm life this year on 420 actually which is kind of right. our genetics and consulting um, branch but as far as the state of the industry compared to like when we got in of course uh, a lot's happened in three years you know nobody really knew what to expect we've had some progress we've had some setbacks um, you know obviously this year no uh, change uh, to any of the 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 laws and no progress, right? Like nothing happened on hemp, medical, nothing. So that's a bit frustrating. Um, But on the other hand, you know, we're seeing, you know, a plethora of products now. Beverages are like a really big thing. And I'm I'm not selling them, but you know, some of our our friends, you know, on the coalition are big behind that and I support that. I drink them, you know, occasionally. I think it's great. You know, I, I love that hemp is helping normalize cannabis. In the state, but also federally, and you know, to me, like I'm going to do what I can within our legal, you know, realm mm-hmm. here in Texas. But I'm a cannabis uh, craft farmer, right? That's mm-hmm. the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. So I'll shift gears when I can. I'll support these products, these other brands that I believe in and that are quality, um, and help others make those decisions uh, when I'm asked about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the industry's it's it's crazy. I mean. We're seeing we're seeing hemp sales far surpass uh, uh, legal uh, ma- marijuana sales in a lot of states, yeah. um, and we're seeing the hemp industry here in Texas, you know, basically, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's it's taking away from the or it's it's lessening the medical the the factor of the medical program, but it, it, in a lot of ways it is right. I mean because you know, they're still so, so restricted as well. You know, again, like I said, they didn't get any progress um, this year. And so when you can buy products that are actually more potent and they're derived from hemp and they're cheaper, you know, I think that's the choice that most people are going with. Well, there's still certain really, really intense medical cases that people need doctors intervention. So for sure, there's still a place for it, but you know, I still have friends on that side too. You know, I came from the medical industry in Texas, And, uh, one of my good friends, you know, Jason Sanders runs the grow there at Texas original. So I still, you know, I feel for those guys too, but I think overall him in, in Texas and nationally is normalizing cannabis. And I'm all for that. Um, you know, we need to, you know, not just reschedule. We need to legalize cannabis and, you know, it's safer than tobacco and alcohol. Let's regulate it. Let's tax it. Whatever we got to do to make all the you know, politicians and, and people happy that that are looking to benefit from this on financially. And let's just, you know, quit, you know, it was really interesting listening to lawyers earlier, but, you know, it's, it's super complicated. It sounds like those guys are going to be busy for a while. Yeah, And, um, you know, it's kind of why, why I'm staying in my lane because, <laughs> you know, it, it's really murky water out there. if You start playing with all these, you know, derived uh, cannabinoids. Mm.
0: Well, let me, let me just jump in here, and, I, and, and Rachel has one for you about the farm the, the, here in a second, but I just wanted to jump in because uh, there's, you know, you you plan to go into the cannabis space when the state opens up the legal cannabis market. I mean, growers like Taylor here at, at 4K Farm, uh, Eddie at Oak Cliff Cultivators, Aaron Owen with Tejas, uh, you know, the, these are the guys that are going to be, I imagine you know doing really well with with you know the legal cannabis market here in the Lone Star State. When when those markets open up to you, I mean, I mean, certainly you guys are like Eddie and and yourself and and Aaron are, are going to be opening to, you know pivoting into cannabis, right, Taylor?
5: Yeah, no, for sure. And I think I mentioned this on the last time. I there's a lot of good uh, operators here in the state. There's people that. Um, you know, are, are putting out really good product that know what they're doing. And, you know, I think everybody's, you know, in it for those guys that are, that are doing it right. They, I mean, you have to be able to be a good operator to be successful. That's what we see across the country. And there's a lot of people that are getting in to get rich quick. And there's other people that are in it for the long haul. And I think if you're in it for the long haul, you're a cannabis person, you're passionate about cannabis, not just hemp. And yeah, that's absolutely my plan. Yeah. Um, Without question, I I would love for Texas to follow the lead of, say, New York, who's actually allowed the hemp farmers to come into the medical program. Um, They were kind of the third, you know, license uh, issue, you know, they opened up like a third round of licenses to hemp farmers, um, so they kind of were grandfathered in. That makes sense, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'd love for, you know, that's something I'm going to be working on, you know, with the coalition to help. Uh, lobby for that on the next session if we can um, and and work with folks like deep that we know at the DPS as well, who are actually writing those rules and accepting new applications for the medical program to hopefully think about those things.
0: And Rachel has a one or two for you here, but I, I just know that, you know, you and you, you as a grower, you're, you know, you're one of those guys that's in it for the long term, and uh, you know, I'm kind of friendly with you and Aaron and, and and Eddie over there at Oak cliff and and all of y'all are part of that hemp coalition and yeah. we, we we know that you know you guys are uh, you know, like Jeremy over there at, at Bayou. there's those those members of our board on the coalition are really in for the long haul with this plant. And so I just wanted to speak to that because you're one of those, Uh, that are really, you know, you're all in with this, Taylor, you know, so I just wanted to point that out. What do you got for him, Rachel?
3: Well, Taylor, I'm wondering, you know, it's been over a year now since you were on episode 92 of the Texas hemp show. So like what's new with um, your grow and do you still have plans to open a retail store in the future?
5: Oh yeah. 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 Thanks. Uh, So with the grow, I mean, I just continued to dial it in. I've got some, I made some upgrades to the greenhouse um, I actually added some indoor uh, flowering area so I could grow year-round indoors, produce um, you know small batch indoor flower as well as the outdoor greenhouse flower, which has been really well. It's um, been going really well. I'm, I'm refining you know the strains that I'm working with. I'm doing a little bit of breeding work as well and bringing new genetics to the market through uh, seed form, and then um, I'm offering clones uh, through farm life as a uh, made to order to Texas farmers, really anyone that wants it, we can mail those as well. So, um, as far as retail goes right now, it's, it's all, uh, just, just with the website there, um, with the online store, I do have, you know, uh, goals for the future to open a retail shop. I actually had thought at this point, I would have already opened it, but we decided to put it on ice. It just wasn't the right time, but, um, yeah, we're looking to open some boutique style, maybe even like a lounge aspect here in Giddings, where yeah. we're at. Just again to to provide that uh, that craft flower, the can the, the cannabis and hemp that we can produce locally to our local community primarily, and anyone else that wants it, you know, we do offer unique stuff. So. Um, I've been shipping out of state as well. Um, you know, Taylor, I was
0: ahead. just, while you were speaking, I was just telling my staff here that maybe Carl and Rachel and I should come over there in the Texas green machine and, and get a, do a tour of your facility while you're, you're in the grow. You, you shared with me, he shared with me some really cool pictures earlier today on the phone and of what he's got going on. And, and I think it would be cool to maybe come over there either, uh, I don't know if we could make it before the Hemp Harvest Festival, but maybe certainly after that right. in November would be a really good time if Taylor would have us. I think it would be cool oh, to come yeah. over there with some cameras and kind of do a little special report yeah. on, on what you've got going on if you're open to that, Taylor.
5: Yeah, no, 100% you guys are welcome. November, late November would be a fantastic time, yeah. actually. Uh, I'm harvesting the first week into December, so... You'll see some really good looking plants, and yeah, well, I've got you know a pretty unique operation here. I'm happy to happy to show it off. Well,
0: he's he's invited me out before, but we've been talking about lately here doing a a filming one of these. You know, while they're doing it, I think it's a good idea to go out and see one like Aaron or or Taylor. And Taylor, it would be great to go out because he was just telling me, you know, his harvest is a little later in the year Mm -hmm. in December. So, uh, with the weather being cool, it might be a good opportunity to take. 290 East and go yeah. see our, go see our, our friends at 4k farm. Are you going to be at the harvest festival on uh, November 3rd and 4th?
5: No, I'm doing, I'm just traveling so much lately for fluence that it's not going to work out. Oh, um, okay. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of my struggle too, you know, with the retail, why I didn't open it. Um, this, this was, has been a side hustle, continues to be a side hustle for me that's a passion project. You know, I know the future for me is to get, you know, completely vertically integrated with a brick and mortar. I mean, I I know that oh, I yeah. know the script, I know the, the playbook and so far I'm, I'm doing everything exactly the way I wanted to do it. I'm very happy. Um, but it's just being patient, you know, waiting for the right time. I think before I do all that, um, so, but these events, you know, I, I, I hate it. I just missed oh, yeah. a good buddy of mine. He throws on a barbecue festival called Ben mm-hmm. and, and smoke game strong. He does these amazing events. I don't like Travis. I've been a part of them since he started them and I just had to bail on him because I was going on a work trip. So travel's picking up. I just got to kind of plan everything uh, as best I can. Stay on top. And of you know, uh, Taylor,
0: do. Taylor Carr was mentioning, you know, we work with, uh, uh Clayton Moore. I've always sponsor the a scholarship with him every spring. Uh, we did last yeah. year we plan to next year you work a lot with uh, Clayton Moore there at AM. Carl was pointing that out you just thought he meant you give give Clayton a shout out yeah. you guys work together on genetics or uh, they're out there at the farm
5: yeah so um, not so much on genetics uh, there's some some stuff I'm, I'm looking to do with A&M on that front but um, Clayton also like was one of the founders and he's the president of the chill, uh, mm-hmm. club, which is the cannabis hemp innovation league, in mm-hmm. Texas A and M. And then they've also now opened it up to, they're, they're looking to add it to other universities, Texas state just, uh, started right. theirs as well. And so it was a uh, three, maybe they've been out for three harvests now already. It's, um, it's been amazing, um, you know, mutual benefit. So what we've done is, uh, Clayton and I have established basically planting and, and harvest days, primarily harvest days. So mm-hmm. I do all the work at my farm by myself. You know, <laughs> it's it's a big grow, but I, I've got a lot of stuff automated. I, I can run the, the farm and do what I do uh, by myself, but harvest is a bear. And, uh, you know, so what we do here is we throw a party. You know, I barbecue. I have about, you know, anywhere from, you know, 15 to 30 people out here. And uh, we just we just get down and take it take it, take care of it. And what he's done is he's organized uh, this club and and certain students to come out and help with harvest, so they get hands-on experience, which they they don't get there at school. Uh, and you know it's a mutual benefit because I'm sharing knowledge with them, and then they're helping me with free labor. So you know, a little barbecue and and uh, education goes a long way. Those students just eat it up, and it's it's been great
0: well uh that's about all the time i've got i'm sorry i got a little hung over there with those uh those attorneys but you know those lawyers they can be a little long-winded and you can't stop them that that snowball gets going with those guys so thanks for all your patience Absolutely. Taylor. fire off your website how can folks learn more about farm life and and the good work you're doing out there in Giddings texas
5: for sure everything's at 4k dot com and then it's 4k farm at gmail if you want to reach out to me on the email form but uh Look forward to having you guys out sometime we'd love to do something here on the farm
0: yes absolutely we want to come out there and hang out with you and we'll get that done here probably in uh, after i say we go after the harvest festival but before the hemp summit so that would put us you know somewhere between uh you know uh thanksgiving and the and the 5th of december so i think that would be a perfect timing to come out and say hi and and check out the operation
5: yeah, so uh, maybe it's even Harvest that you come out for,
0: which yeah. is uh, December 3rd, 4th. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's going to be like right around, you know, maybe the 30th of November or something oh. like that. Yeah, well, we'll I'll get with you on that, and we'll get that thing planned. But, but thank you, Taylor, for being on the show this week, my friend. It's good to see you. All right.
5: Thanks, y'all.
0: All right, Talk there he answer. goes. That's Taylor with the 4K Farm, so good stuff to have him chime in on. I, I look forward to going out there. I think we need to do that. And maybe go out and do a special report once in a while, Rachel. That's probably something we should do more often. Yeah, definitely. uh, I want to do that also with uh, Aaron. And, uh, and and go see his farm. Because he does dreamer. a
3: late harvest too, right?
0: He he does. And yeah. uh, I saw a really cool report that our friends at Grow House did on the canning operation. Did you see that? Know, they had a, the, they they showed the the cans of all of Aaron's tonic oh, coming wow. out. It was what real, a good idea. Yeah, it was a really cool. Yeah. It was a really cool profile. I I think that would be cool for us to go out and do that for some growth. They're
3: grow. all over the place. They've been at ACL, um, Tejas Tonic.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, but you know he's going to be right up here uh, at the uh, 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 next week's guest. Actually, as I will go as we wrap here, number one forty-eight will be Greg and Tracy from the Sweet Cincy Hemp Harvest Festival on the show next week. So uh, we'll be seeing uh, our friend Aaron over there for that as well. But great show this week. Thank you. Special shout out to our uh, two attorneys there with Andrea Steele and then David Sergi. Great information uh, earlier in this show, and then and then thank you uh, again to Taylor. Um, for for coming in and giving us kind of a grow update out there in Giddings, Texas. Uh, I'm Russell. She's Rachel. Great show, Rachel. Thank you. Yes, thank you
3: for having me, as always.
0: (laughs) Well, good uh, good show this week. A lot of great information. Stay tuned next week, guys. It'll be uh, episode number 148 as we will talk with Greg and Tracy and get ready for the third annual Texas Hemp Harvest Festival. I'm Russell, Texas Hemp Reporter. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Texas Hemp Show.